Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How you doing tonight, Catherine? So good. How, How are, are you? you? Yeah. I love it. I love being here with you. Yeah. Listen, we'll get this out of the open right now. Catherine is not feeling her best. No, I'm not. But I, I forced her to not go to bed. So she could stay up and talk to me. Actually, you woke me up. I did. I did wake you <laughs> up. Um, but I fall asleep every night in our kids' bed. The, what's new here? No, I don't know if I'm dealing with allergies or a sinus thing. Yada yada yada. I don't want to bore you all, but I have been to the doctor and I'm going to see another doctor this week and find out what's going on because I'm not sick, but I can't breathe. And it's not pleasant. It's a great way to start episode 109 Yo. of The Long Finish. Are you ready? You ready to talk sinus infections? Woohoo! <laughs> but episode 109. We're in the heat of summer. It's starting to really warm up here Finally, in Los Angeles. It's a reminder that LA summer starts in July. It's warming up across the United States, across the world. I think I saw 127 in China Whoa. or something. So it's just crazy hot. So we wanted to think about some beverages that you could maybe take to the beach or a park. Also, um, there's a strike happening in the entertainment world, which we'll talk about more in a second. I am a part of those strikes as a member of the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild. So we got to be thinking um, things that don't break your budget, affordable pricing. We'll be talking about that the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about this episode because we're talking about canned wine. And I think this is something that people are all curious about, want to know more about, hopefully find more types of quality canned wine to drink and consume when they go to the beach, picnics, etc. So, Catherine, let's get into it. What are we drinking tonight? Tonight, we are drinking a delicious canned wine. This is called Best Coast. That's the name of the winery. Best Coast. It's a fizzy red wine. This is from the Santa Inez Valley. And it's 50% Movedra, 50% Grenache deliciousness. I love this little can. We'll get into it in, in a minute, but fizzy red wine reminiscent of Lambrusco or spritzy Shiraz or just like when you're in the mood for red wine, but you want a can, this is perfect. And it's just the right size. This is 250 milliliters, which is about a third of a bottle of wine. I'm going to get into those sizes in a second, but that's eight ounces. So not your usual restaurant pour. A restaurant pour is probably six, five and a half, six ounces. Eight ounces, I would say, is a solid, what we like to call Malibu pour. That's right. It's, could be your home home pour. Probably is a home pour, too. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, but, you know, that's, that's a proper serving. If you see a canned wine or other canned beverage that's the size of a beer can, that's about 355 milliliters. So we're edging up closer to half a bottle of wine. That's a different story, you know, so so do be aware of the size. But this one is perfectly sized, super cute label, and we're enjoying it. Can't wait to talk about it more in a second. Obviously, we're constantly on the mend here in the household. We did take a little trip this past week. Surprising, honestly. I, I feel like living in California, there's so much to do. I feel like I've lived here a long time, experienced a lot of things, and I still have not experienced nearly enough that California has to offer. Never been to Yosemite. I've never been to Joshua Tree. This is crazy. Now, everyone knows, maybe not the listeners know as much, but if you're in my life, you know I'm not really 
I'm barely even a glamper. I'm you a, are not a glamper. I'm a city person. You're a Hilton. <laughs> I did talk about this on our trip to Greece, right? We did one yeah, night. Yeah, you know, no, we got to do hotel. Yeah, I'm a hotel person. Or an Airbnb person yes. or a Verbo person. And yeah. last week, we went to Oxnard for the first time, stayed in an Airbnb. Channel Islands, adorable little place, really beautiful beach. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, first of all, from the west side of Los Angeles, it's an hour, 20-hour, 40-minute drive to Oxnard. I thought Oxnard somehow was hot valley area but it's coastal it's, it's coastal. right right next to ventura great. on the way to santa barbara you know you you pass through oxard ventura then you make the turn to ojai so it's very close and a dear friend of mine from college has her her parents have a verbo there two verbos and another friend of mine from college we we planned this trip and she brought her family out from indiana and they stayed in one and we stayed in the other and it was just it was fabulous. Not only steps from the beach, but a great house set up. Just perfect. And also so fun to be on a vacation with another family. Well, one, you're sharing the workload, the meals, the kids are playing. So the child care is sort of just happening a lot of the time because they're occupied with each other. Super fun. I've seen a lot of friends do that nowadays. Now that we're moving further from 2020, 2021, we're still dealing with some pandemic stuff. But I see a lot of families kind of cohabitating on vacations. I hear about it from my friends. We have not really done that yet, frankly, because we're so much of a tornado. We're we a lot. Wanna, we don't want to thrust that yeah, on anybody right now. Yeah, we're a lot. But we did try that. We dipped our toe into that. It was it was a lot of fun. Try to dip our toes into the ocean. still quite cold. Lots to learn from me on the beach. I don't go to the beach as much as I should being on the west side of Los Angeles. I mean, fried. Just absolutely fried the tops of my feet. I know. Those look Beat like... red. Oh. I was out there for like an hour. I don't know what's going on. Super white skin. But also, I'm a psychopath because my son, as everyone knows, I'm coaching the basketball team this summer and I need to practice on Thursday. So I decided I'm missing a, another practice and a game in a couple of weeks. I didn't want to miss two practices during the season. So I drove. I let my seven-year-old stay. I let him stay in Oxnard while I drove back to coach the practice at Mar Vista Recreational Center, coach these seven and eight-year-olds, teach them about, a, you know, triple threat position, jump stops, shot fakes, jab steps, then get back in the car and drive back. The good news is I drove on the one, which if you don't know, if you're, if you're you know, out of California, like the traffic wasn't bad on the one. That's all up on the coast. It's incredible. I don't really, I take that drive for granted because a lot of times when the traffic is there, it's one of the worst drives. But tonight, that particular night, it was perfect. It was a nice trip. Four hour round trip to, uh, day to wow. teach coach some basketball. Me- I love basketball. I love the kids. Beast mode. Oh, beast mode. Beast mode dad. Hashtag beast mode dad. That's right. <laughs> Meanwhile, we were watching a seal on the beach and eating ice cream. Just chilling. It was really an enjoyable vacation for me. And that, that's been hard. It's hard to vacation with your kids at the same time because there's still so much to be done. But it's one of the best I've had. I think the lesson we learned was... Maybe more short trips around California yeah. instead of these big chunk trips to the East Coast or to Colorado. It's like, wh- what else can we see? Two or three in nights California? is so perfect yeah. for them. So we're learning here. Yeah. Also, they were tired of an hour. The hour and 40 minute drive is about all they could take. They were done. As well. So there's that. Things we learned this week. A special event happened this past week at Esther's. 
super cool event. We were starting to miss it because we, we was planned during our vacation. So th- yes, uh, hopefully some of you all attended that event. We got another pop-up coming soon at the end of the month. But Catherine, can you enlighten us to how much fun this event was by all accounts? So the event was a night with Serrano, all fabulous, fabulous Spanish food. And that we also had a flamenco guitar player live outside at Esther's, which really added to the vibe. I think it was a super special night, loved by many. I am so sorry I missed it. But the pop-up series continues, and our chef, Shayna, is really putting together a super fun lineup each month. And yeah. The one coming up, though, is called Top Tip. That is July 27th. It's Hanoi food. We're going to be there. Yeah, we'll be there for that one. Thank you to everyone who keeps coming to these pop-ups at Esther's. Should be more coming up throughout the summer and into fall. And I will say, we did uh, have a Rustic Canyon moment in Ojai because we headed up to the Duchess, also part of the Rustic Canyon family, the newest addition to the nine restaurants. And we had lunch there, and it was absolutely fabulous. And saw our partners and got a little tour. And Chef Saw is cooking amazing food in Ojai. Ojai is very hot this time of year, but the vibe is very good. Chef Saw is just one of the best people. Just so happy to see him find some success at this restaurant. Talk to us about maybe doing a pop-up at Esther's. But if you're in Ohio, you got to go to the Duchess. Mm, that fried chicken sandwich. Get the fried chicken sandwich for lunch. You know what goes great with a fried chicken sandwich? Honestly, truly, it would be. Finally paired something right without even you know having to get advice from you. No, you really did. That would be the best coast fizzy red wine from Santinez Valley in a can. Can wines. I'm, there's so much to talk about. How do you want to do this, Catherine? Do you want to talk about the rise of can wines or do you want to talk a little bit about this particular producer? Which way do you want to go? Well, I'll just give you a bit on this producer first and then we can talk about can wine because I think it is such an interesting category and there's a lot of misconceptions about it. Let's do it. But this is The Best Coast Wines is produced by Caroline June, and she lives in L.A. and writes a very popular blog called Love and Loathing in L.A., and that's been going on, I don't know, nine plus years. She's a wonderful regular at Esther's, and we got together, I don't remember, I don't know, six months or so ago and tasted her wines together, and I thought they were so good. Like, I was kind of blown away because she, you know, hasn't been in, she's enjoyed food and wine for many years, but isn't a winemaker. But she is working with a wonderful winemaker named Sonia Madeski, um, who's in the Santinez Valley. And Sonia also makes wines for Costumets, Clementine Carter, Feminist Party, really cool young female winemaker in Santinez. And... Caroline got together with her about two years ago and started this project focused on minimal intervention wine. And this particular wine, she doesn't release the vineyard sources because she gets a good deal not listing what those are, but we discussed it. And this wine comes from all chemical free vineyards, which works for Esther's. And I just love that it was a fizzy red. You know, I've tried a lot of sparkling white, sparkling rosé, some still rosé, some still white in cans, but I haven't found a great still red that I love besides a couple that I can think of. But I love that this was 
fizzy, that it was sparkling. Because there is that that thought when you go to get a, open a can that there are going to be bubbles in it from years of drinking soda and all the, you know, LaCroix and beer and everything else that we drink in cans. You know, sometimes when you get on an airplane, they give you water in a can and it's regular still water and it's not bubbly and you're like, huh, you know, it's just a little odd because there is a certain flavor that happens with the can. I don't know how to describe that, but the bubbles sort of surpass that. They give this freshness. So I think having a red that's bubbly is brilliant and it's light. It's not tannic. Perfect for outdoor event. Perfect for all the occasions you can think of to enjoy canned wine. So I was so happy to get this in the shop at Esther's. Way to go, Caroline. Love the wine. And you can get it at Esther's. You can also get it on our all of our to-go platforms, which has really been a great source, a great way for us to sell canned wines. Because a lot of times people are looking for when they're getting, you know, Uber Eats or DoorDash or any of those delivery services, a lot of times they're looking for something, either a single serving, which is canned wine, or something on the go. They're going to a concert. They're going to the beach. They're going to a picnic. This is this is a great time for a canned wine. So it's done really well for us at Esther's. We had the wine tonight at dinner, full disclosure. I mean, we had it with some pork chops that you grilled up. And it was delicious. Perfect, honestly. Yeah. Like you said, the wine is nice and light. The carbonation does make you sort of match your expectation of almost like a soda, but it's a wine. You know, it's right. It's, and uh, not sweet. But not sweet. But not. not sweet. I think, you know, every time I think, oh, I'm going to plan wines for an event. Oh, it's going to be hot. Everyone will drink white wine. I am always wrong. There are always, always more red wine drinkers than white wine. It's just the way of the world. But if you're poolside, you might not want a super tannic Cabernet Sauvignon. You know, you might want a red wine, but this is a great version of it. I feel like your family would get so into this. I would be into this. I'm not really even a red wine drink, every night drinker. Right. But you know, one of, one of the listeners to the podcast, Michael Gross, sent me an Instagram post of something in the 1980s where all these television and movie stars did like a I don't know if it's real or fake, some sort of infomercial on how to properly chill red wine. And it's sort of a joke now. You can tell it's dated and people are putting ice cubes in the red wine. But this is sort of the inverse. You just put the, this red wine in a cooler. Perfect. Perfect. Be great. So I'm going to find this Instagram thing. I want you to post it on Instagram Okay. for us. It's really funny. But I think this wine is its sort of like a four-quadrant wine. Pleases white wine drinkers. Red wine drinkers, you know, it's it's super gluggable. I mean, I was I was really impressed with this one. And sometimes you, because it's canned, I think that's a deeper question they'll have in a little bit. It's like, what am I really getting with a canned wine? But I think as the quality of the wine, better wines are moving into cans. It's like, wow, I don't think I should have any expectation dip. It just should be delicious. So the space has changed a lot since Esther's opened in 2015. You know, then I remember a few canned wines mostly just in a regular beer size or even in what are those tall boys they're like bigger cans you know the tall cans sure. 
but that's like that's a lot of wine. A lot of wine yeah. And they would even be good wines, but the packaging was just sort of whatever. And it was hard to sell somebody on that because they know they can get a screw top. You know, that would that would sell better. And there was that just not understanding like, wait, is this going to be okay to have the wine in the can? Like, how is it going to taste different? And it does. I mean, it definitely tastes different. But also, normally when you're drinking wine out of a bottle, you don't just drink it out of the bottle, you put it in a glass. So I do the same thing with a can when possible. If you're at a pool or at a place where you can't put it in a glass, sure, okay, you have to drink it out of the can. But that's a different experience. And we tried both tonight. And I always try both when I'm tasting canned wines because it's different. This is the time to drink canned wines, right? Like I said, it has, the space has been slowly, slowly growing since 2015. But then really, I think starting in 2020, like the last three years, it's picked up so much. And I wonder if some of that is due to awesome winemakers getting in the game, like Brock Sellers and Scribe, Scribe Companion Wine Company, where they partner with a different winery for each of their wines, like Lady of the Sunshine. They partner with Jolie Laid. They partner with really cool people. And then there's also just specific canned wine producers like this one or like Nomadica that are really thoughtful, making quality wine, and care about the packaging. So it's kind of all those things are coming together. And then you have the Spritz wine spritzer world. Now, yeah. Oh, the wine spritzer, right? Has, Ramona, you know, that's taken of off huge. Yeah. And she's got all these different flavors. That's exploded. And now the hard seltzer. I mean, the fact that hard seltzer is out there or these other canned, you know, alcoholic drinks are popular, I feel like the whole category is blowing up. But obviously, summer is a big time for it, right? This is the peak. It's going to change in the fall, in the winter. You know, this is the time. Is you think people want to be outside. But the difference, one of the things that doesn't change in any season is the price and the fact that it's a single serving. I mean, if people are trying to limit how much they're drinking or they don't want to spend on a whole bottle, it's a great way to just have a glass of wine, eight ounces. Now, if you're drinking a can that's a beer size, it's a little bit more, you know, but it's a single serving, which is kind of great. What about the production of canned wines? Does that play a part in it as well? Well, I'll tell you something. You know, it costs so much to make the wine and then the can itself costs a lot. I think there's a lot of people that want the price to be lower than it is. You know, they don't want to pay $11. They don't want to pay over 10 bucks because it's in this can. You're talking about the the like the patrons of the wine? Yeah, maybe someone on the seeing it on the shelf, but it costs a lot. Does it costs more to for a can wine that is a bottle to bottle from a glass? The process costs a lot. I don't know like the full details of it, but it's not so much cheaper. And it's different equipment. You know, it's a whole different ordeal. Is there an environmental relationship for canned wine versus glass bottles? Now, that's true. And I've seen for period, aluminum is the most recycled thing in the world. So it's definitely the chances of it getting recycled are a lot higher than glass. 
But if we're going to be talking about the actual material of aluminum and glass, and let's say you're going to use it forever and reuse it, glass is better. So what we were talking about a couple weeks ago about actually saving bottles, sanitizing them, reusing them, that's like the number one. one. That's a question I had. But is it going to get recycled? The chances of aluminum getting recycled are the best, you know? So that's really good. And it takes so much energy to break down and recycle glass, more energy than aluminum. So for for the glass discussion we had a couple months ago, which is like basically like deep cleaning the bottles, yep. not changing the shape of them in any way, yep. and just reusing that versus aluminum maybe. We're using recycled aluminum. That was something else. And changing it to, to form to yeah. become a and aluminum eventually it will break down once it's recycled enough times it w- it breaks down, but it has a better chance of getting recycled than your glass does. This is just off the dome for you. Like this is just a girl, a little hippie girl growing up in Boulder. I mean, knowing I, her recycling facts. Well, I care about this stuff and <laughs> I, I think about it. Right oh now. my god. Um, but okay, le- I have to get into the history of canned wine we because this kind of blew my mind when I was looking this up. I found this article by Tim McCurdy. It was written on Vine Pair, which is a great resource for articles about wine, written in 2020. And he talks about the history of canned wine because we all think, oh, this is this new fad thing, right? And no, apparently not. There's a guy named Alan Green who set a world record. This is Guinness Book stuff here for the world's largest collection of wine cans of 449 wine cans in 2015. I'm reading this thinking like I didn't I I knew like two cans of wine. How is this real? But this guy is crazy. So he started collecting wine in the 80s. Turns out wine has been made in cans since right after prohibition. And as some of the pictures of these things are amazing, you know, poor quality, but and they're putting like sweet wine in these cans. And at that point You know, they hadn't figured out how to make the protective layer inside the can. There has to be a layer. Otherwise, the alcohol is going to eat through and taste like aluminum or, you know, it has to have the right coating inside. So they hadn't figured that out yet. But there there were wines in 1959. They did figure out how to make a rust-free aluminum can. So that that was a bonus. And then later on, Coke... Coca-Cola even had a wine brand called Taylor California Cellars. Now, most of these, you know, were on airlines and stuff. And by all accounts, they were terrible. But the pictures of these things are amazing. Like, post a picture of that on Instagram? I, I got Yeah, we'll find some. Yeah. They're so cool. This guy in his collection has cans from 1936. So crazy. Because for me, the first wine can I heard about, I think was in the corner store that we used to live by in our old apartment. Remember the Coppola? The the, no, remember the, <laughs> you goon. No, remember Coppola, Sophia? Sure. The Mini, the Francis Ford Coppola, Sophia Mini. I mean, every almost everybody knew it. That, that, that came out in 2004. So most people think, oh, okay, that was the first can wine. But may, maybe... That was our era of the first decent canned wine. Isn't this crazy? I couldn't yeah. believe this. People are trying to solve this. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating to know it's gone back that far. 
probably some sort of version of like bathtub gin for wine, just putting in these cans. That, and well, them, and the airlines, like airlines, before they got to those yep. little bottles, the Sutter Home little bottles, there were all these different wineries that were doing it by can. Yeah. This guy, since 2015, Alan Green, he's grown his collection by over 1,200 cans. Let's go, Alan. Come and on, Alan a, Green. A, there are conventions for this. Can we get the 1,500 I mean, cans? This is just, it was just blowing my mind. I, I just, this. Dude, Alan incredible. Green is on fire. He wanted to give his collection to somebody else, but he couldn't find someone else that was you want like, to bequeath them? Well, some of the duplicates he was going to share with somebody else, but there, I guess there's nobody else that was doing this. Is it in his will? Are his kids going to no, get these cans? I, I don't know. Oh, I hope he so. wanted to give some to a neighbor, are but they no unopened one cans? Are they? Yes. Oh, man. These are like um, Funko Pop. Funko Pop. It's like a Funko Pop for wine. Unopened. That is it's so It's like baseball cards. Weird. You got to keep them in the package. Yeah. This guy's going for it. We got to get Alan Green on the show. I mean, it would be so interesting. I just, the thing that Coke had a wine brand was just like, it's just crazy. I mean, it's interesting why you want to put wine into just to bring it all back put wine into a can because you think yeah maybe that makes sense environmentally you've debunked that in some ways saying that you know the answers that you gave earlier the on the go capacity which is for beaches single serving ideas but this is all got to be understood that this is for drinking now this is for drinking yeah. in 12 to 18 month period. These are not ageable vessels. You don't age beer, really. I mean, I guess there are a few out there specifically that do, but this vessel is not for aging. Like, first of all, it's not for aging wine because what happens in a bottle is that there is a little bit of oxidation that's happening. A little bit of oxygen oxygen is getting in through the cork or through the stelvin and just slowly, slowly evolving the wine. That's not happening in a can. See, that's really interesting because to me, what's interesting about that is it's a better protection from light to be in the can. So, yeah, I understand why you're saying it's not to to be stored in your wine fridge, but it does protect it from light better than, than a bottle does. And I was going to say that maybe the only hindrance in the selling of it is you can't, if it's a rosé, you can't see the color of, no, of, that's of, of true. the wine. So. Well, the other thing is that it's the amount of wine that is that you're aging. So, you know, half bottles age, but the best, best wine that ages... The best would be in larger formats, like in a Magnum or something. What do you say about champagne? So, because it's the ratio of the amount of oxygen that's coming in to the amount of wine that's there. So, I mean, a little tiny single, you know, your Sutter Home bottles, <laughs> that's not meant for aging. It's also got a different closure. It's totally different, not comparable, but and made of plastic. But these are meant to be drunk now. The takeaway from me from all this is that canned wines have been, or should I say wine, has been canned for a lot longer than we think it has. It goes yes. back to the Egyptians. The Egyptians were canning wine. They were. Um, they b- were. Back in BC. Yep. So it's been going on for a long time. But now quality winemakers are entering this game. Now quality winemakers are entering the game, which is changing it. And I think the focus on packaging is helping well, or hurting sometimes, but can help 
because... Because you talked about the flexibility of where you can take it. Yeah, I mean, I think if it has good packaging, it has an appeal. And if you're at, you know, a concert venue and you see a wine in a can with a cute label, you might go for it. 100%. So let's get to this. What's the wine pairing for the wine? We had pork chops tonight. What's some more pairings for this wine in a can? I mean, I would really go for tacos with this one. I was thinking about carne asada or carnitas. Just a big plate of nachos would be kind of great, you know, if you're not having margarita or something. But you could have a burger with this. You could take it out to a barbecue and have hot dogs or grilled sausages. That'd be fun. Pizza. Any of those like on the go or outside foods be great this wine screams to me foods you take to the hollywood bowl mm. picnic stuff that's yeah. where i kind of see this wine thriving in your outdoor concert venue that you're going to go to this summer for sure where can we get this wine? well you can get it at esters that's for sure and there are other little spots around la i would check out bestcoastwines.com and also love and loathing in la the blog because Caroline's got all the stuff to do in LA. She's, if you work like visiting LA or you live here and you want to know, like find a fun adventure for your weekend, her her blog is so great. There's so much to do. I was kind of blown away. Like, wow, I don't even, I can't even scratch the surface on all this stuff. We live in a place where there's a lot to do. Sub theme for this episode, for sure. I wonder if Caroline, obviously she mentions being What's the back of it say? Something about produced in L.A.? She's from L.A. It's conceived in L.A. Conceived in L.A. But the wine is grown and produced in Santinez. Yes. Best Coast, which is a shout out to a, a band. Very popular indie band. Obviously, Best Coast probably being West Coast. But there's a band called Best Coast. I'm sure Caroline knows this from Bethany Cosentino and Bob Bruno. They've been making some great music for like the last 12 to 15 years. Best Coast. That's just a music shout out. To go with Best Coast, sparkling red wine. Go get you some. This wine's delicious. My last question for you, Catherine, is this. If you can't, if our listeners can't find this wine, what's a good way for you to uh, help them, arm them with some questions to help find a great can of wine at their local wine store, wherever they live? Well, I think one question is, is this can of wine, is it from a producer, a winemaker that makes other wines in bottle? That's a great start because then you know at least it's a solid winemaker who is venturing into the can space. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the other can wines aren't good. This one wouldn't fit in that category. You know, it's a she as only making this special can wine, but it is a good place to start. It is a great place to start the conversation when you are in a shop. Now, Hollow Wines, which we talked about a few weeks ago, they make great canned wine too. It just helps you sort of navigate, oh, okay, this is a legit winemaker. I'm going to give this a try. But also go for a style you like. And I would say, when in doubt, Sparkling Rosé is probably my favorite wine in a can. Like it just transfers the best for me in general. But special shout out tonight to some Sparkling Red Wine. That's right. 50% Mavedra, 50% Grenache. Go out and get you some. Enjoy the summer. All right, let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first. 
As I mentioned earlier in the show, there is big disruption going on in the entertainment business across the United States. There is a Writers Guild strike. There is a SAG Actors strike. I'm in both unions, so I have been uh, on the picket lines for the last 70-some days for the Writers Guild. By the time you hear this, I will have been on the picket lines representing both SAG and the WGA. I uh, hope to have more in-depth discussion on this over some wine with some people from unions in the weeks to come, so stay tuned for that. But I want to give a shout-out to two things. The first is Duncan Crabtree Ireland, who is the National Executive Director at SAG-AFTRA. He is not an actor. He is a chief negotiator for the union, and he is really good at explaining things and explaining what's happening. There was a media blackout, so the studio side negotiating with the actor side wasn't talking about what was taking place but now that blackout's been lifted and he's sort of relaying some of the things that were proposed to SAG and he is very articulate in explaining what exactly was taking place and where the union um, hopes to go in future discussions with the studio he answered some questions in Spanish he's very level-headed where actors are often more impassioned so we need that little bit of base to some of the acid that the, um, the Fran Drescher, who came in very passionate, speaking very passionately last week, uh, the president of SAG. So I just really am really impressed by um, how he's coming across and what he's doing. And I want to give a shout out to a podcast where I he- heard him speak last week. It's called The Town with Matt Bellany. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. But he's doing a great job right now sort of talking about why the actors are going on strike. I can articulate this uh, in future episodes, but he does this in a uh, big blanket fashion. Really, really um, informative podcast on the business. And Duncan Crabtree Ireland actually is a guest on the show as of last week. He really pulls the curtain back to what the actors have been dealing with the past couple weeks. So check out that. Duncan Crabtree Ireland representing SAG. Matt Bellany in his podcast, The Town. Check that out for some great information on what's going on in the entertainment world. And we have more news to come on that, hopefully, in episodes to come. Catherine, what is your inspiration of the week? Well, this week, I am inspired by a podcast that I've been enjoying for the last couple months. It is Table Manners with Jesse and Lenny Ware. It is a delight to listen to this mother and daughter. They cook dinner for a guest and talk about food. Some of the episodes have me in stitches. Others, I don't know who the person is even, but I'm like loving them, the mother-daughter hilarity over dinner. And the most recent episode that I listened to was one that came out in May, but it was uh, with Allison Roman, the home cook, uh, she says, but former Bon Appetit writer and chef and author of various cookbooks, which I have one of them. Um, and I really enjoyed her conversation talking about food and growing up in the valley and her experience in New York and Los Angeles and all things food. So it's a really fun podcast for witty banter over people eating food, real food that sounds delicious. All right, that's it for episode 109 of The Long Finish. Episode 109 is in the books. Catherine, you made it through the episode. You have to edit out some of my coughs. (laughs) You did it. (laughs) You did it, and you thrived. 
Oh, gosh. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. Listen, we need more ratings, reviews, subscriptions. If you think about a summer gift for us, we would love those. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the show. Catherine, where can they find us at The Long Finish on social media? You can find us on Instagram at The Long Finish, and I'm there too, at Catherine Wild Coker. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. We should be back with a new episode next week and some more episodes throughout the summer. So stay tuned for those. Until then, have a great week. Be happy, be healthy, and happy drinking. Ciao.